Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Green Iron Blitz, right here, episode 289 on TuneIn, Player FM, Google Cast, Apple Podcasts, and on the largest platform on radio, platform iHeartRadio, as well as Block Talk Radio always. Oscar Lopez, your host here, will be joined today by a three-time U- Team USA gold medalist, and that is the new general manager of the Oregon Ravens of the WNFC 2020. That will be Leah Hinkle. Should be announced here in about half hour, and we I have the privilege of having uh, the WFA All Star and Hall of Famer Holly Custis back in the in the house. We will have the salty one in an hour, Mackenzie Brooks, and alongside LFL insider Nate Ward in the second hour. So two jam packed hours, and we're going to be going everywhere: college football, NFL, the women's game international, with a lot of action happening there. The WFL draft that we're going to talk about. And then we have a big announcement, Kansas City Titans Seas of Operations just announced a couple hours ago. So that uh, hurts the WFA in terms of Division One. And congratulations to the uh, Helsinki Wolverines who won the Maple League Championship three in a row, three-time champions, three in a row. Congratulations to them. And uh, Chidi Kusinan out there, uh, just a, an amazing game. Over 300 yards, five touchdowns, second second finals performance with that. So literally almost 10 touchdowns and over close to 700 yards in two of her uh, participating finals with the Wolverines. So an impressive outing on the weekend. You can get the highlights at the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. You get everything that happened in the women's game from the WFL draft, the WNFC announcement on being on U2 America the deal that's a multi-year deal, about 30 million homes and WNFC 2020 is moving forward here. They're doing, they're making news here. College football, we're going to recap in the hour two uh, format. We're going to kind of talk a little bit NFL here, but we'll also talk with the salty one, more NFL for week one. So uh, let's bring in the uh, whole uh, hall of famer and WFA all-star Holly Custis. Holly, welcome back. Hey, how's it going? Good. How you doing? Good. Uh, really busy over here, but excited that football is back. Of course. I mean, that's if you can't play, you got to watch it. Oh, definitely. That is one of the um, good things about uh, us normally playing in the spring is that it, it essentially means that you have football year-round, uh, save like maybe a month or two. Other than that, it's pretty much year-round. <laughs> All right, Holly. So you're you're big on college football, NFL. It's here. Mm-hmm. One week, college football is already in the mix. Um, so a lot of excitement yeah. there. We're gonna be talking pretty much everything between now and February uh, for college football and NFL. So everybody's gonna have to dive in week to week. We're gonna have a lot of opinions, of course, as all the matchups come up in the top 25. But uh, overall, it's it's pretty uh, interesting week one in college football per se, right? Definitely. Um, I mean, you had some people that took care of business like Clemson, you know, Alabama, um, 
uh, teams like that, and then you had some really interesting matchups. Uh, my Oregon Ducks kind of blew it in the second half against Auburn, but it was still a really good game. But then there were some really interesting upsets. Uh, Tennessee uh, lost uh, to basically a Division II team to Georgia. I believe it was Georgia State. And um, that was a big upset. Um, and then Florida State lost to Boise State. That was another big upset. So, you know, when these big dogs play the, the little guys in the beginning of the season, it, it's really interesting because I think there's beginning you're beginning to see more parity in that dynamic. Um, and it, it's creating better matchups early in the year. Yeah, and, you know, uh... Alabama defeating Duke, no surprise, right? I mean, in the early ones, right. then Clemson takes care of Georgia Tech. So, as you said, you know, the, there's a little progression from the first week all the way up to the final uh, slate. So, yeah, there there are some surprises along the way. Every year we get that, right? Oh, yeah. And, and I think it boils down to the fact that there's a lot of turnover year to year in each team because they're, they're, they only have so much eligibility to play if you're a college player. And then you have people that are your better players that go on to like graduate or they graduate uh, or they leave early to get drafted. And then you have to see what you have in the new crowd of recruits. And just because you recruit somebody that's a four or five star person does not mean they're actually going to pan out. So there's a high turnover in the talent that you're working with each year. And there's only a few teams that every year can get away with not having a huge drop off. And those teams are right now are Alabama and Clemson. Um, their recruiting classes are so strong that it seems it's kind of like plug and play. So they might lose 10 people in the draft one year, but they're able to fill in with another 15 guys that are really, really good uh, in their next class. Um, so that's really the secret to college football is, is are you able to recruit to fill in the gaps when you lose your, your best players? Um, but, uh, yeah, it's really exciting. Uh, it's such a science at the high school level. I have a couple buddies. And, you know, the rankings there are even more intense than in college because you're, like, trying to gather these kids from different parts of the country to commit to a certain college program for your benefit. It's, it's I mean, it's just a lot of pressure, a lot of analytics, a lot of, you know, decisions, basically. Oh, yeah. At the recruiting, um, you know, at the high school level is very intense. There's a lot of analytics, like you said. And, but the, the key component – um, that you'll notice every year is that these are 17, 18, 16-year-old kids, and they change their minds a lot. And so it's really interesting every year because you'll have uh, a certain school that will have, you know, uh, an X amount of rating as far as their class, and then that changes very quickly right before the um, signing day, uh, the letter of intent day. Um, and it goes back and forth, and a lot of schools are able to come in and steal people away um, because these kids change their minds a lot. So that's what makes it really kind of a crapshoot when you're trying to scout for these kids because you get to know them, you get to know their families, and then they say that they, they like you and you like them, but it doesn't mean until until they actually sign that letter of intent, nothing is for sure. So that's what makes it kind of like the Wild West. All right. Uh, Holly, um the Buffalo Bills are going to win the AFC East. That's what's going around in the NFL circles. So this is an interesting and exciting uh, time for Buffalo fans. Yeah, I mean, I I think they're going to be approved, but I'm not ready to give them that title yet. 
Um, you sure? Everybody else food. is like on yeah. the bandwagon. Well, usually that's what you know. It's it's um, not a good sign. If you have like a a sleeper pick that everybody and their mom is picking, it it <laughs> I don't usually go that direction because it's usually a bad sign. You know, it's different. Like if you're picking like the Patriots or like the the teams are always there because everybody can pick those people. Um, but uh, I think they're definitely going to be improved. Um, they're going to be competitive, but I think they they might be a year or two away from being as good as people think. All right, so Holly, you didn't you weren't at the WFLA uh, invitation event in Vegas. I wasn't. Uh, There's only a couple handful of WFA and WNFC players on the Southern California side, and a couple LFL players that aren't you know that play WFA and dual LFL. Um, yeah. We got a big paycheck for a player that has never played football, a track star. And that was the person that was drafted number one, Jordy Munford. And I'm pretty sure she's very mm-hmm. talented. But I don't know if she is as talented as Lisa Le- uh, Leslie and every other uh, female professional ba- basketball or and or athlete. That's a big paycheck. And I don't know where the paycheck money is coming from because there's this league is not even up and running. So unless you got big-time right. investors that are just going to dish out big money – that's a big paycheck. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things that the, uh, you know, I've been around the block for a minute, and it seems like the more attention that we're getting as a sport, the more and more uh, situations like this are happening where there's a new league that pops up. Um, and I don't know if this particular league has an understanding of the history of women's football and the the structure that's been in place. Um, I don't know if they have that understanding. It's really hard to really know anything about this league because they don't really communicate that well. And so you're right, like they have these pictures with the with the novelty checks, but you can't, you know, like you the type of checks, like the giant checks that you see, like the guys and 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 uh, winning it in golf tournaments, like the giant ones, that you can't actually cash those. Um, and the routing numbers are not actual routing numbers. So they really, you know, it's kind of misleading because nobody really knows, are these people actually getting, like, actual checks? Are they are they signing contracts? And if so, what are the actual terms? There's none of that information, and it's really kind of concerning because in every other professional league um, that is paying millions of dollars, you know all of that. And, and if there are people out there that are willing to put down that kind of money – I feel like they would want to say that they were because it's good um, attention for them as well. So I don't know. There's a lot of question marks. There's a lot of red flags for me. Uh, you know, I've tried asking questions to, to some of the people, and I'm just not getting any answers. So I want it to be real. I think a lot of people want it to be real. But in this day and age, you really don't know until you know. And then another component that's concerning for me um is uh you know the that trial rules and in a little bit invested into this um you know there's a lot of history with him making not so smart business decisions um so if anybody's ever heard of the fire festival if you haven't you should look that up you know it's one of those things that again i want this to be real but i'm also very protective of of my sport the people that play it the people that i know and I just want people to make smart decisions. So if these people are real and this is legit, I hope that they come out and communicate these questions because they're legit questions. 
So that's kind of my little rant. Yeah, I'm, my understanding is uh, that wasn't real money. Uh, the way I looked at it at this point, it was more of a, uh, what do you call it, when you release a new CD or you release some sort of new download? It was that kind of right. a hype event where now, right. you know, the number one, the one, number one rapper got the paycheck out of the whole event. Everybody's mm-hmm. behind him. But my understanding is uh, this league is uh, fighting on an IPO that will ride big money so that they can go ahead and mm-hmm. fluctuate that money to franchises to start the whole process. And that's why they're taking right. uh, until next year to do that. So the checks aren't real yet because obviously the IPO hasn't hit and there's no real money. So I think of it as those two checks of the three drafted players uh, are basically promise, promise stock options. The way I look at it, when you start looking at things like that, I mean, it might be real. It could fly. I mean, it's like any IPO, right? It could launch and all of a right. sudden you, you make millions of, millions of dollars and it actually covers your costs and your startups and everything else. So my understanding is that I don't have the facts because to your point, I haven't been able to get a serious interview from the CEO, Lupe Rose. I haven't been able to get a serious feedback from any of the uh, league in terms of the serious seriousness in terms of contracts, dollars, and where all that structure, because I've been told that if you're not part of the entity, that you won't get any information. So that's literally what I was told. So it's kind of like close behind doors, hush, hush type deal. So at this point, the only word you can say is if you're not getting that much information, most of the fans on the outside looking in will consider this pretty shady. So that's the word I'm going to be using at this point, because, you know what I mean? Without any real information on there, uh, the players, great. If they get that option, that stock option, of course, if the IPO hits big, obviously they're going to be in, in good you know, financial state because if it hits big, they're going to make some, obviously some money on the side from participation. But the franchises right. that are existing right now, I think five of those are being owned by the actual CEO and the company. Um, so right. it's, that tells you a lot right there that there's not really that much hope because if you start selling individual franchises, and people are actually dishing money, then you could say, okay, maybe this is totally legit. But at this point, it's kind of a bundled five or six franchises into one entity. So the promise of stock options is really what I get out of it. So I could be wrong. Uh, We don't know the facts because nobody wants to come on to give us the information. So that's what I gather. Yeah, I mean, it's, again, one of the things that communication is so important in life and in business, you know, and – I think sometimes people in business, um, they think that by not communicating, it's it's helping their cause, and it's actually the opposite. Even if you don't know the answer, by just saying, hey, I don't know the answer right now, but I will tell you when I know, that helps a lot. Because when you don't say anything and it's just silence or you're not, you're avoiding the questions, then you leave people open to speculate about you. And then you can't control the story about you. And then, so then it actually makes it worse for you. So I hope that they um, can get, uh, you know, more open with their communication and let people know what's happening. Because I, I tell you, like, if this is legit and it's real and they have all their ducks in a row and they communicate that, they'll get a lot more attention from our sport. Right now, I, I think most of us are kind of waiting and seeing because we have really had no idea what it is. 
And I think that's why, in my opinion, they don't understand the history of women's football because I don't think that they realize that there are hundreds, if not thousands, of players that are playing in different leagues that are very, very talented and are sitting there like, oh, I don't know anything about you. So why would I spend all this money to go travel to, um, you know, an event that I don't know is actually going to happen? Um, but we'll we'll see what happens. <laughs> Well, the only question mark is really about how you pay a player that has never played football, has never played yeah. even a down, $5 million. Right. I mean, if you would have put, yeah. you know, Jen Welter up there, first draftee, right? $5 million for right. Jen Welter. I think everybody goes, right. hell yeah, right? Because she's real. She's played it. She's top level, you know, whatever, right? There's a legit, right. okay, she got paid, right? But you get a player, right. very talented from a combine with about a hundred, hundred ballers. And then you turn around and go, Hey, this player is going to make $5 million, which in reality, the top NBA player only makes 150,000 and the top, right. uh, you know, soccer player only makes 250,000. So how can we pay 5 right. million to a player that has never played a down, not played professionally right. in any league in the States. So that my, my friends is what you call a pyramid scheme of some sort, or you call it some sort of scamming. I mean, I hope that's not the yeah. case, but that's really what it breaks down to for me. And if it's an IPO, yeah, it, I totally get it that you want to be secretive and you don't want to devour information about what your logistics are. That's fine. But they should come out and just kind of say it, that this is a, a hopeful right. paycheck based on a initial you know, offering of the brand that's going to pay and roll that over into hopefully all these franchises to be covered and, and put that together. We don't even know about football logistics right now. We have no idea who the coaches oh, are. We have no idea what, exactly. what you know, the demographic is going to be in terms of setup. And we have no idea, basically. So at this point, oh yeah, you know, the first draft in Vegas, uh, somewhat successful for Jody uh, Munford, Lexi Demio, and, and I think Priscilla Gardner, who apparently, you know, the first two are going to get the, uh, the $5 million and everybody else is going to get 2.1. And everybody else after that, I guess, gets nothing. Just a, a promise that hopefully this whole uh, league rides and at some point they get paid. That's what I gathered from the yeah. event. So it's reality what I got. Yeah, so we'll no. keep an eye on it and yeah. see, you know, how everything involves with them. But that's where we're at right now. They're supposed to have another event on October 19th. Uh, I believe it's another combine in Las Vegas. And we'll see how that event turns out for them as well. And then they, uh, I'm assuming they'll have another draft based on that combine. So uh, launch is 20, right. uh, August 2020. So we'll be monitoring pretty much every month to month in terms of what the WFLA is up to in terms of news or, um, you know, changes and stuff like that. All right. Um, yeah, Holly, in Finland, the Maple League considered one of the toughest leagues in the world, right next to the WFA and probably WNFC at this point, but one of the toughest leagues in Europe. That's where the uh, Euro Women's Champions came from. And so the Wolverines, three in a row, Holly, and this girl, uh, number 34, uh, is it Tai Kusunen? She is just killing it out there. And if you saw the highlights at the hub at facebook.com, uh, five touchdowns over 370 yards. That This is her second Maple League Finals performance with the same result, five touchdowns and over 300 yards. That is awesome. I mean, anytime you're able to get that kind of production and then you're able to get it twice, that speaks to the consistency uh, that you have as a player. So that's a really great performance. 
And then you can add a, a, the a woman's Euro championship to her uh, finger somewhere. So three time, three <laughs> in a row, the Wolverine, Helsinki Wolverines, three-time champions, back to back to back to back, and they win it. Uh, they take care of the St. Petersburg Valkyries, which is their second visit to the finals, and the result's the same. 49, uh, I mean, uh, I think it was uh, the victory was 48-7. to seven. So it was really close up to halftime, and then um, the Valkyries had some injuries throughout the game there, and then it, it kind of hindered them on defense. And so the result is 48-7, to seven, and uh, Kustinen just runs wild. And uh, congratulations to her. Also, she was the Euro Women's uh, Championship MVP. So Holly, she, she is legit. This is a, beast mode is the word I think I want to call her now, beast mode. Yeah, I think that's an appropriate uh, uh, tag for her. I mean, um, anytime you have that type of production, it's awesome. I mean, um, and when you're consistent like that, it also speaks to your conditioning because I don't care who you are when you're running, when you have like over 300 yards like that and five touchdowns, I mean, that's a lot of work. So, you know, hats off to her for the ability to to keep at it and have that production uh, stay at that level. All right. The other event happened is in Toronto, the Globe Bowl in Toronto. WFA Team United taking on uh, MIFA Canada Longhorns. And Team United out there with our no joke football athlete, Sasha Cruz, uh, 49-0. They come home with the victory from the Globe Bowl in Toronto. Uh, all these international events with AFE and all these events now basically just kind of like building up all these football players to an, another level. But uh, WFA Team United. Uh, 49 to zero, and so it's a great, great uh, effort by uh, the WFA in general. Definitely, you know, I'm a, a huge fan of any and all international competition. I think it really ultimately makes the sport better, um, and I think uh, since you've seen more and more of those types of events, you've seen the results. The product is getting better overall. Uh, so, congrats to the Team United. Uh, and going out to Canada and getting the win for sure. All right. Um, sad news. We talked to her earlier when I when I opened. Uh, Kansas City Titans seize of operations. So I think it's more finances or just couldn't get numbers up. And at this point, um, it's it's a D1 franchise that really hurts the WFA for 2020. Yeah, I saw that. It's really sad news. I mean, they've had a lot of success, a lot of great players. Um, a lot of talent in that area. Uh, so I hope if there's uh, players that are remaining um, that still want to play, that they find a home. Uh, so it's really sad to see that. I think you're right. It does um, provide a hit for the WFA Division One. You know, we'll see what they do in the off season, if they, how they revamp um, their division structure or, or what they do with that. But it's definitely a hit for them. Yeah, it's kind of it's surprising in a way, but not. Um, I know that you know St. Louis did the same thing, uh, taking a year off and then coming back, and then because of numbers and and everybody struggles with that. But uh, we still have, I think, Kansas City, the Kansas City Storm of the XFL, of the XFL XWSFL, I think. So I don't know if they're going to maybe, you know, take a leap to the WFA in that market. Uh, we will find out uh, at this point. Uh, there's a cool video. On the hub, uh, uh, Liga uh, Brazil uh, Week 4, the Silverhawks taking on the Cold Killers. You can get that the highlights there and the video as well, and you can watch the game. And then we had uh, also Gridiron Queensland, 12-8, to 8, 
Thunder versus Stingrays. And that was uh, Amanda Ewers out there just doing her thing, rebounding last week after the loss to the Ravens. And uh, Lauren Evans, our other no-joke football supporter. And then Riley Hudgens, Hello. really good outing out there. Unfortunately, the Thunder do get the win here 12-8. to You can also watch the full game there, courtesy of Gridiron Queensland uh, at the Hub. So uh, week two almost of Gridiron Queensland here, probably it's tightening up. It's only four teams. The Raptors probably the – Weakest team out of the whole set, but you're going to get uh, Ravens, Thunder, and Stingrays pretty much just uh, punching themselves out until the week nine. Yeah, I think um, that league league has got more and more competitive, um, so I'm excited to see what happens for sure. Yeah, so we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, You guys can watch the whole games of the Liga Brazil on Silverhawks taking on Colt Killers. You can also watch the full game of Gridiron Queensland. Uh, 12 to 8 victory, Thunder over Stingrays. And then uh, you're going to have a big event starting uh, coming up here on September 21st, the German, uh, the German Ladies Bowl. September 21st, finals uh, happen this, uh, this weekend. And then we'll see who will face up against the Cobras semifinals this weekend. And we'll keep tabs on that as well. We got photos from the Ravens and Raptors game at the Hub, courtesy out there of of the uh, good photographers that we get all the time and photos by TD, TD Photography as well, Touchdown Photography. Uh, the Brazil recap, week four, 34-0, and you can watch the game live, like I said earlier, as well. We're looking forward to LFL Legends Cup in Seattle this weekend, uh, September 7th. We'll be talking to Nate Ward in about an hour or so, and we'll kind of dissect all that and take care of that. Um, so, Holly, uh, NFL week one, any surprises for you that, you know, obviously the Colts, uh, Brissett signs finally, but that's probably the only shocker out of the whole, the whole week. Uh, and besides, you know, the drama queen, Antonio Brown, we'll see how that turns out for the Raiders. But any, uh, anything for the Niners at this point, anticipation? You think Mullen's going to take over or Garoppolo, we ride until that becomes the reality? Well, I think um... – I think Jimmy played a lot better in uh, week three of the preseason. Uh, when, whenever you have that type of injury, I think what happens is the coaching staff tries to, to kind of um, baby the injury a little bit too much sometimes. And really the the best way for Jimmy to get over some of his anxiety about his injury is to play. So I'm hoping that with a game or two he can get his rhythm. And he started to in that uh, preseason game. But I really think Bowens, if Jimmy is not able to produce that well, he's improved so much. His footwork over the, the last offseason has improved dramatically. His confidence has improved. So I think we kind of have a sleeper in Mullins. Um, and I th- I'm anxious to see how that develops. So it's a good position for us to be in uh, to have Jimmy – uh, be able to come in and uh, test out his leg, but also have Mullins there if, if we need him. Um, I'm really excited to see uh, what our offense is able to do with some more weapons. Um, I know that a lot of people nationally think that uh, it's going to be the, the uh, Coleman show, uh, but I really think Brita, uh, Matt Brita, our running back, is going to break out this year. Um, and I am excited to also see what our defensive front, uh, how strong they, uh, how cohesive they are as a unit and see how much pressure we can get on the quarterback because that was a big deal last year. Uh, I'm excited. I think we'll definitely improve. 
and hopefully be in the playoff hunt. That's that's my that's my wish for my team right now. All right, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the, the changes in the off season in terms uh, around him offensively. See how they're going to benefit him. Uh, preseason, he looks <laughs> he looked kind of scared in a way. Uh, Mullins did look really good in preseason, so that's I guess as a backup bonus. I guess you have a backup in a way. Um, Jared Goff's just signed. So I was excited about that. I'm excited about the, the Matthews and Donald connection in, in terms of defense in Los Angeles. Um, so we'll, we'll talk to McKenzie on the thorough NFL in about 30 minutes or so. And we'll dive into some college football as well. Um, before you go, Holly here, uh, Ryan Russell uh, comes out to be, you know, Hey, I'm bisexual and I play in the NFL type deal. Uh, do you think that's going to hurt his, his, you know, his chances to get on a team? At this point, I actually don't think so. I mean, nope. he announced it, and um, and you know, the articles were out there, but it was not sure. like mainstream news like like it has been previously. And like you know, I think I think yeah, it wasn't like oh my gosh everywhere. You know, part of that might be because there's yeah. a thousand other storylines out there right now, but. I don't think people really cared, which is a good thing, which is a very good thing. So it, I think it's more of a matter of, uh, you know, is he going to be uh, able to help a team out there and is he a good fit for that team? I think we're we're starting to turn a corner a little bit. It's nowhere near where it really should be, but I think we're, we're getting better um, at the fact that he can announce that and it's not front page news all over the place and every, you know, person out there is talking about it 24 seven. Um, I think that's a good sign. So I think it's awesome. Do you think it brings down like the traditional machismo type mentality where people think of football players as these, you know, men of men or whatever? Do you think it's the sexuality part? It just to the core fan of football. In other words, that's, I think that's where a lot of people have that mentality, right? But I, I just think if, if he has talent, just like Michael Sam, you know, if he didn't have the talent, he went from the NFL to CFL. At some point, at, at, at the end of the day, no matter your sexuality, I think you still have to prove yourself on in terms of the football status. Oh, definitely. I think I think the the problem that a lot of people have had historically is that they mistake sexuality for toughness you can sleep with whoever you want to sleep with but playing football i don't care who you are you have to be tough it's physical i like there's no room for you to think about who you're sleeping with when you're trying to tackle somebody or trying to run through a tackle at that moment you're not thinking that you have to be a tough individual to play so i think people uh, hopefully are slowly starting to catch on that you can still be you know, a strong, tough person and, you know, be gay or be straight or be bi or be a man or be a woman. It doesn't matter because it's about how you play in that moment. That's really what defines the toughness factor. So hopefully more people are slowly starting to catch on to this. All right. Um, we Are, are you bailing on me? You got to go? Yes, I do have to go. Okay. So thanks for coming in. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll touch base next Tuesday if that's the case. Uh, but uh, go Niners and go Rams. That's the, the whole thing Yay. for this week, this coming week, right? So uh, until yeah. we meet, Holly, until we meet, it'll be a different All right. year. Okay. All right, Holly, thanks <laughs> for coming in. Really All right, appreciate have a good it. Night. All right. Bye. So I'll 
That was the uh, WFA Hall of Famer, Holly Custis, coming here to chime in. And so we are going to be talking right now in the No Joke Football Huddle, uh, sponsored by Zazzle.com. Zazzle's been our sponsor for six years. Go to Zazzle.com for Sasquatch Beauties. Take 15% off any tee, hoodie, or leggings, or bras, anything at the shop, and go there. Support the uh, project awareness at 15% off at Zazzle.com for Sasquatch Beauties. We're going to be talking to three-time gold Team USA gold medalist uh, of the uh, Team USA and now the general manager of the WNFC 2020 Oregon Hawks, and that will be the talented Leah Hinkle. How you doing, Leah? Hi, Oscar. Thanks for having me. How you doing? Thanks for making the time. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Anytime. I do have to make a correction, though. Yes, go ahead. I only have I only have two gold medals. <laughs> I thought it was three. Didn't 2017? I thought I saw that on there, but I could have seen the picture in, no. in a different year, I guess. I was, was in the 20, first 20, two. I was it 2013 World Championships. 2010 uh, okay. and 2013. Mm-hmm. There you go. Okay, so I just I just assume yeah. you were on the uh, Vancouver club, but you were not. So. Well, I, I I appreciate that. I was there, but I was a fan, and it was so fun to watch. Awesome. So two-time gold medalist, correction on that, but still uh, awesome. Uh, so, Leah, you see everything. Uh, I, I turned around, and I'm like, okay, what happened here? We got the Portland Shockwave in Portland. Why didn't we take the, the Shockwave to WNFC, right? That's what everybody was thinking. But now we is, have the is Oregon that what Ravens. everyone's thinking? That's what everybody was thinking. And I was like, they turned around, and I'm like, okay, why didn't we go Shockwave, right? <laughs> but we didn't. So, okay. um the ownership in Oregon, where you're at now, obviously the WNFC feels strongly about the market, and they want to, you know, put a team there uh, against Seattle, right, and the California team yes. on, on the south side. So tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about the Oregon uh, Ravens' uh, birth and what we're at. Uh, so the Oregon Ravens is a new team in Portland, and uh, it has a an amazing crew behind it. Lots and lots of experience, um, both athletically and um, as coaches. We have over 100 years of player and coaching experience behind this team. And we're really excited to bring that experience and knowledge to Portland to uh, bring both the players, the future players, and our fans an exceptional football experience. Now, Leah, you saw the 2019 inaugural season. Uh, when you tell me where, where you were at and when, hey, by the way, Adidas and Riddell on board for WNFC 2019. <laughs> uh, I, I can't tell you where I was, but I remember when the announcement came out, I was very impressed and very excited with what the WNFC has been able to achieve in its inaugural season. And uh, it, it wasn't um, too long after that that I, I uh, started thinking, you know, I think I'd like to be really involved in, in women's tackle football again because it's an exciting time. And the WNFC is um, achieving things that I knew were possible. I didn't quite know when or how soon it would happen, but I, I know that women's football is an, an exciting um, product in sports, and I, I guess I've just been waiting for somebody to take it to the next level, and I think that is the WNFC, and so that's why I got 
involved at this level, at the general manager level in women's tackle football again. All right, you didn't get any brownies sent by Odessa from Texas to get you going, did she? <laughs> no, <laughs> she she didn't send me anything. Um, we we actually approached her. Perfect. Um, um, so, uh, but but I I did know that the WNFC was interested in in opening up the Portland market, and so sure. maybe we kind of met in the middle there. <laughs> Well, I know she is uh, persuasive, and she's got a vision. And uh, ever since I've, you know, talked to her, it's been a couple years now. I know that you know she's very driven about getting things done. And so the leadership yes. uh, at the league level, uh, all of them are either former teammates of yours, right? From the 2010, 2010, 2013. There's a lot of players yes, involved. Yes, I, I know the many. Project. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know a lot of the women involved in the WNFC, and it's it's been a pleasure to see my teammates um, create something um, that is that is I think what we all kind of dreamed of when when we were beginning our careers or in the middle of our careers. Some of us are still playing, but uh, I think we all hoped for something like this, and to see it start materializing while we're still um, involved is so exciting. Now, um, Leah, feeder systems are the problem, right? We have no feeder system. You know, college football has college, of course, the NFL, I meant the CFL has college, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so we have no feeder system. Um, I know, you know, Dion Lee's trying to get some sort of, you know, flag football nationwide type of feeder system mm-hmm. so that you can introduce the sport at that level of flag like they do in Mexico. Um, so, yes, Any of the teams talked about that, like setting up a flag league within the organization Mm -hmm. to try to just get interest and and build some. I know Jen's doing the, obviously the Adidas camps nationwide, Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm talking about serious in terms of internal organizations. Well, um, yes, we do need more youth programs for, for girls in football. And I think that um, in addition to Mexico, we could also take Canada's um, lead or let them Mm -hmm. uh, show us the way Canada has had an amazing, um, and I'm talking about the Maritime um, Club has had an amazing youth football program, tackle football program for, for young ladies for some time. Um, So we could, there are programs out there. New Brunswick, Uh, the New Brunswick program. Yes. In Canada, in the Mm -hmm. Maritime. Yeah. And you also have the Manitoba program. That's uh, very rich in history, kind of like Utah girls, but, a lot. The, the first yes. program there was obviously Saskatchewan mm-hmm. in the Manitoba area that Canada has, yes. you know, um, they were the first ones basically that started the program. Exactly. They were, and they started it many, many years ago. So I think we could actually learn a lot from them. And then we have, you know, the, um, the girls tackle program in Utah with Sam Gordon, which I think um, is another program that we need to keep our eyes on uh, that we could perhaps replicate throughout the country to provide a feeder system into our, um, our professional system. Leah, what, what do you say of the leeriness? Because a lot of parents will go, I'm not going to put my daughter through tackle. I'll maybe have her play flag. And that's where I think uh, mm. the conversations I've had with the coaches offside because of the safetyness. I know you're a master trainer and all that. And with the heads mm-hmm. up program. So there's a lot of questions mm-hmm. on the parent side of things, you know, because the boys on the boys side, the peewee level and everything else, that's been normal, right? 
But when you get to this stage where you're introducing girls at a certain level, some parents are leery at the fact. And I think most of it is when they're playing, when they're playing with the boys, not so much with the girls on, you know, girls uh, versus girls type mentality. Right. Um, well, I think football is for everyone. And so does USA football. So you're, uh, like you said, I work as a master trainer for USA football and um, we are working on a football development model that creates many different points of entry into the sport based on child development, their readiness. So not only their readiness physically, but also their social and emotional development. So um, whether you're a girl or a boy, there should be many different points of entry into the sport based on whatever you're ready for. So that, that could be flag, that could be um, you know, a modified version of football where the, the field is smaller. Um, or, you know, there are some, some kids that, that might be ready to, to jump right into tackle. But we believe that football, I believe that football is for everyone. And so I, I uh, support developing youth programs, whether it's flag, rookie, um, or, or other programs that are going to give kids uh, access to the sport at a level that both they and their parents are comfortable with. All right, uh, Leah, you got a lot of experience as you talked about on this on this uh, Oregon Ravens team. What do we expect mm-hmm. from the Ravens in 2020? Oh my gosh, I, I'm so excited. Um, where do we begin? <laughs> um, you shoot at I, me because I have no clue about your team right now, but all, <laughs> only the name and the logo. Right. So, so we're brand new, right? Uh, five days old. Um, uh, so the Ravens uh, are determined to provide an exceptional football experience to both our players and our fans. We really want to uh, transition from the play, the pay to play model to a more professional product. And mm-hmm. in order to do that, we are going to um, work you know, twice as hard, three times as hard as anyone has before to ensure that we can provide that, that level um, of experience. Um, so we, we have, um, uh, you know, goals for our, tw- our 2020 season. One of those is to uh, assist our players more with things like travel costs which uh, often have not been covered for women tackle football players. In addition to paying their player fees, they also have to pay for travel. So we are, we are on a mission to reduce or eliminate the, the travel costs for our players because we're asking them already to take time off from work, time away from their families, and we don't want to have to ask them to reach into their, their pockets to have to travel for, for our team. So that's, that's a major goal that we have in addition to reducing the player fee um, as much as we can. And that may be a multi-year uh, project for us is to cut down on that player fee every single year. So we're, we're going to be really aggressive about getting sponsors and, and making partnerships here in Portland. And we really want, we want to be known as a household name. We want people to know that Oregon has a, a a team um, that that is is going to be a, a great experience for for both our players and our fans. 
Uh, Leah, why not, uh, since you have history with the shockwave, why not go and elevate the shockwave to this level? Was it just because it's a different right, ownership? That's, or just... that's a good question. So um, we we do have a different ownership group, and I believe that the ownership groups for the shockwave and the Oregon Ravens have different objectives. And uh, I did, I played for the Shockwave for eight years and they've been around for a long time, almost two decades now. And so I have respect for them as an organization. Um, They've, they've, they've been, you know, uh, they've been a part of Portland for, for quite a while now. Um, The, the Shockwave's mission is to provide women an opportunity to play football and, that that included me. You know, they gave me an opportunity to play football. However, I think where um, where the the objectives diverge is that with the Oregon Ravens, we don't want to just give women the opportunity to play football. We want to provide our players and our fans that next level, that that competitive experience. Uh, so it's kind of switching uh, kind of the mindset from kind of a, a recreational model where people uh, pay money and they, and they put their own money and time into it. And it's kind of more of a recreational sport transitioning that to eventually a professional model where our players are, are not taking on the burden, the financial burden of operating the team. Now, uh, Leah, as a general manager, uh, we talked to George mm-hmm. Marie, we've talked to, you know, uh, Ebony Kimbrough, talk to almost every new team that's come into the WNFC for 2020. So, you know, the level expectation for some of, some of the general managers that we've talked to already is that level is already there. They, they already know that it's going to be, a, you know, like you mentioned earlier today, it's a matter of getting a better sponsor to cover us some hotel costs, better sponsor to cover some travel costs. You know, there's a lot of intangibles mm-hmm. on the general manager side on, on the bucket list, right, to check off and right. to achieve um, because of the yeah. fact that, it only benefits the brand. So if the if the you know the paying customer, for example, the fan really takes this brand as a professional, serious brand, just like you you know like an NFL, a WNBA, or or any other brand of sports league, then at that point mm-hmm. the fans will get behind the brand, right? So you get the sponsors easier coming to you because of the entertainment value or the fact that you know it's high caliber football. So is that your goal yeah. at this point for the, the two years? Is just kind of like to get that next to get the, the real professionalism, in other words, right? Absolutely. Yes, that, that is our goal. You know, when you, um, when you ask folks like here in Portland or around Oregon, have you heard of women's tackle football? Mo- most people respond, no, they haven't. And so what, we have to figure out where, where, where are we missing? What are we missing there? Um, and I think that's exposure, it's advertising, it's partnerships with, with uh, bigger companies, companies where, that people have their eyes on, uh, have their eyes on them. And I think that the WNFC has already made great gains in that area. So partnering with Adidas, partnering with Rydell, having, um, having a, a televised um, – schedule of games in the spring where people can actually tune in on Sundays and watch, 
you know, U2 America, watch women's tackle football on U2 America. That, that is a great start. And that, that's coming from the league. And, and I just love that. So we have great leadership. They're leading the way. And that is our model. That is, uh, that's who, what we have to aspire to as a team. We have to do the same here locally in Oregon. So when people say, oh, yeah, the Oregon Ravens, I'm going to an Oregon Ravens game this weekend, people know that's Oregon's women's tackle football team. So that, that's definitely our goal is to be that, that big name and everybody, every, every Oregonian knows who we are. Well, yeah, uh, the word I heard from everybody that we've talked to previously on the podcast from every team is trust, the trust and the leadership. Is that the same mm-hmm. for you? Absolutely, yes. I believe that uh, the leadership at the WNFC are some of the best minds in in this business, and I I believe that that they are going to take us to the next level. If if I didn't believe that, I wouldn't have taken this role. I would not have said, oh yeah, sure, okay, I'll be the GM for the the Oregon Ravens. Um, if I don't believe in something with all my heart then I'm not going to do it. And so, yeah, that, that's key. Trust. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what we've heard. So because you've played with those individuals, you either have a relationship with the individuals, right? So it makes it a lot more family oriented in a sense because it's kind of like a brother and sister mentality, right? We're all in it for hard times mm-hmm. or good times as they say. And so every mm-hmm. team based on their market, uh, you either got it really good or you got a really you know, like you said, put in the put in the legwork because you got to get to that next level. Yes. Yeah. Um. I I played you know with Odessa Jenkins and Kelly Brownson and you know Jen Welter was my roommate. She was uh, my roommate for both 2010 and 2013 uh, Women's World Championships. And you know I, I really I trust them as as sisters on the gridiron. But but also I've seen what they've done. Since then, so since I played with them in 2013, they just they just keep stepping it up, you know, over and over and over again. And then they keep recruiting in other amazing figures in women's football. So like like Tony Fuller, um, you know, I just have so much respect for her. And I I never played with Tony. Actually, I don't think I've ever met Tony, but I I just have so much respect for the the people that they're putting um, into this project and. I, I, like I said, I have complete confidence in this group of, uh, of people to bring us forward. I have one word that everybody uses uh, when I talk to them off. It's, it's passion. The, the passion to <laughs> get this sport noticed. And that's what's driving everybody. Yes. A passion to get this sport that's, noticed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it has the- to be passion for me because I'm retired now, right? So my last season Correct. was 2017. Um, I had a great so you thought, right? run. What's that? So you thought it was 2017. <laughs> You're back. <laughs> well, I mean, I retired from playing in 2017. That's what I mean. But it, but it is the passion. Yeah. So, so you know, I could have retired and just slipped into, you know, the shadows, um, the unknown heroes of women's tackle football's, you know, ghosts of the past or whatever, but um, it's the passion that brought me back and just, just seeing the, the passion that the other people have that are involved with the WNFC. It's inspiring and it's exciting. And 
you know, I thought maybe I would have to put football on a shelf that, but, but no, this is my chance to, um, to be involved again and be involved in something that I feel very strongly about. And that's, that's really exciting for me. I, I may have been born to be a GM, actually. I, I've been having so much there you fun. Go, Leah. Um, I, there it is. <laughs> you didn't even have to put a resume together. They just, just grabbed you from the stand. There you go. <laughs> that's true. That's exciting. I, I, I mean, because you think about it, you, like nobody draw you in, right? You kind of drew yourself in. It's not like somebody went to yeah. grab you. They, you, just, you just thought of it as like, I have to, this is something I can do, right? And this is something like I'm yes. able to try to like achieve. Um, I always think of it this way. Uh, in the last year and a half, when all these things came up, you know, the, the deals came up, then, then the streamlined access, which is kind of like NFL red zone, right? That for me was the game changer, Leah. As an outsider, yeah. nine years looking at, this, looking at the sport, right? For nine years, I've covered it since 2009. Um, uh-huh. So for me, when you had WNFC TV, for me, that was like, mm-hmm. this is another level, right? And then yes. you've got San Diego yes. coming up with a real nice live stream with replays, and it looked like a, a high school, you know, high, high high school, you know, area where you got like a lot of, a lot of visibility and parents pay for all the stuff, right? Mm-hmm. This is yes. kind of like very high level. And you could sit, you know what? You didn't have to go with the San Diego, right? You could sit at your house, popcorn in hand, and kind of just mobile phone angled or, you know, iPad mm-hmm. or whatever, you, you know, you had, you were able to watch it and actually see something live and get a replay and, and actually start to get to know names of players before we'd go to the website, right? You just, there's a name, yeah. a number and a player, and we have no idea <laughs> what their talents are. That's really what and we were looking for. And it may not for. be accurate. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so this was refreshing in a way, right? To see, this type of access it and it's on Facebook live and everything else. So to me, that was a game changer in itself, but I think WNFC for me right now, uh, compared to, you know, the other leagues that have come in the fact is that they're actually serious about, you know, being business minded. And I think that's what I literally like about it because they're really serious about it. They got, they want it's kind of like an IPO and you want to get your brand out there and you really want people to get no, to notice mm-hmm. it. And I think that's where the, that's where the, you know, the heart is at this point where they're trying to push that level to where, hey, let's bring some attention. You two, America is not the biggest thing you can do for yourself, right? But if you start mm-hmm. to look at WNSC TV, right, in year one, how much mm-hmm. views you got, probably got, you know, I don't know, you know, 50,000 50, views or something at the end of the season, almost close to maybe 70,000. Okay, now you're going to get 30 million. That's another level. So that's, a, that's way awesome. It is. It's just, it's a continual push to do better than we did before and not get complacent, right? So yeah. complacency hasn't done much for women's tackle football. We, we have to push. We have to go to the next level. And I see this league doing that, and it's so exciting. So I watched them the first year, and I was like, yeah, they're, they're doing it. They're doing it. And then when this opportunity came up, you know, it it really wasn't that hard of a decision. I mean, I think I thought about it, um, you know, over a weekend, and and then I was just like, no, no, this this is this is what I want to be doing. I want to put my energy into this because it's exciting, and I see where it's going. 
and, and, and I'm, the, I'm not the, disappointed. It's been five days, and I am having the time of my life. <laughs> that's, and that was the reason I reached out to you, because I knew you were already excited, and you were energized. Yes. I could, I could sense the fact that you were, like, hyped. You know, I, I, that's the word I want to use, hyped. Everybody's hyped, but, but you're pumped, you know, for the fact that you want I success. Am. You know, the pump to get yes. the brand out there in the community, and also to get the league brand as a stapled known brand. Um, I, I, really, mm-hmm. branding is the only difference that I think that women's football has failed at. It's the fact that the mm. brand has never done anything for the players in, in, the, in the old model. It's recreational. It's needed. Yes, it's a feeder system. No problem. As you said before, right? Portland exists to give mm-hmm. the opportunity to women. The Oregon Ravens are going to exist to what? Get professional to the next level. And yes. either one will, need, yes. will be needed because we don't have a feeder system. So even the WFA will yeah, not go away. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And absolutely. the WNFC will probably mm-hmm. be different, but, but it's still needed. Both models are still somewhat needed in the sport because we do not have a traditional feeder system like the NFL or the men's pro leagues do. Exactly. Exactly. So it's going to be great. Um, so the, uh, the market that you're in is primarily Portland. So the the decision to not go with Portland Ravens, was that something the owners or just, do you just want it to the actual state just to be aware that this is um, Oregon's team? Uh, we never considered naming the team Portland. Um, no. That was never, no, it was never on our list. Um, <clears throat> we, we did, we did consider some other names, but, uh, we we really wanted to uh, be a regional team. We wanted we wanted our team to belong to all of Oregon, um, have the whole state buy in. So, I, I yeah, I can't remember us ever thinking uh, Portland Ravens. It was always Oregon Ravens. Awesome. Uh, so that's you know that's where we want to be. Uh, we're excited. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's a couple more teams coming down the pipeline here in terms of announcements. Um, I know mm-hmm. the goal was 32 by probably 36 months from what my understanding was, you know, build up to a 32 uh, solid markets that obviously will cut back yes. travel costs. Mm-hmm. It'll cover, it'll cover certain regions that are more, uh, you know, mm-hmm. obviously football friendly. And so it's, you know, when you go to a professional level, all those other things have to be taken into account when you start bringing in certain teams or certain markets or, you bring in markets that obviously have no football background that obviously will generate interest uh, from a community standpoint, mm-hmm. build relationship with colleges. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of legwork still to be done, but a positive is year one is very successful, no forfeits. So that's like a whole, you know, exciting thing too. No forfeits in the first year. Yes. I think that that is really important. Um, one of the biggest issues I think with having larger leagues, Um, with just a very high number of of women playing tackle football is you um, you're going to risk forfeit Um, when you have really low rosters, but a lot of teams um, it kind of uh, dilutes uh, the the sport a little bit. Um, So keeping the league to 32 teams is going to create a more competitive system and also um, allows us to 
to hopefully recruit a larger roster to also reduce the number of, of recruitment of uh, um, forfeits that that teams and leagues have been experiencing. So, yeah, uh, there's there's several strategies going on there, and I think they're all working together uh, successfully so far. Now, when you do corporate, uh, when you do a corporate mentality, it's always collaborating. So I think that's one of the strong points of the, about the league here is that everybody tries to collaborate, whether you're in a different market or not, just to give you some insight as to what things would work. And I think that's a, a bonus. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, Leah, um, the stadium, is there a stadium that you guys are searching for right now, something that's going to be a staple for you guys going forward, or we're working on two stadiums? Or what's the logistics in terms for fans? Our stadium is going to be Roosevelt High School this uh, coming season. Our um, our owner, Tim Price, is the head coach at Roosevelt High School, and so he has a connection there. So we will start out um, our inaugural season at uh, Roosevelt High School. Awesome. Which is in, what kind like, of venue is it, uh, Leah? Is it 6,000, 7,000? What's, what's the capacity of that stadium? Oh, I don't know what the capacity of the stadium is. Um, They're pretty large, fifty-five maybe. No, close to six. No, no, it's smaller. Yeah, so it's, it's about it's five. A maybe. Smaller stadium. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I know there's you know there's certain uh, college, well, high schools, certain high schools that obviously have larger facilities and stuff, but most most of them are mm-hmm. around that thirty-five to fifty-five hundred seating on both sides. Yes. So it's, you know, that makes it a good, uh, good thing for TV because if you, if you stream it or everything, it looks very packed and that's what you want to mm-hmm. kind of give the fans and your sponsors a view and say, Hey, we, we can pack the house, you know, with, you know, 5,000 fans right. or whatever you're going to pack. Yeah. Well, we definitely, we definitely plan to pack the house. So we, one of our um, biggest strategy sessions was how are we going to get people in the stands? And, I am very excited with our, our plan. Um, we are we are hopefully not going to have an empty seat in the house. Um, that is one of one of our goals for the 2020 season is to have a nice full stadium. Leah, um, what's the ticket pricing? Is it ten dollars, five? What are we looking at on average? Is it still ten like everybody else? Uh, we haven't discussed that yet. So um, okay. I don't know what our tickets are going to be, but it'll probably be in the you know uh, eight to twelve dollar range. Also, okay. um, since we're a brand new member of the WNFC, I don't know if uh, the WNFC has standards regarding uh, ticket pricing. Um, sure. So that's just another part of being a GM that I have to learn about. I have uh, so much to learn. Um, but, you know, we want to make it affordable for um, our community, um, especially around the Roosevelt Stadium. We want to get the neighborhood into the stadium to, to watch, you know, spring football. Um, so I think it's, it's, uh, it's on our minds to keep it affordable for our, for our neighbors. All right, what are the colors? Baltimore Raven colors, or what's the uh, scheme <laughs> for the Adidas Uni? Or do we Our have one yet? colors are black and white. Oh, black, black and white? Black and white. Yes. No purple? 
No. No purple. No purple at all? Wow. Okay. No, that's, no purple at all. <laughs> were you, no, no were you hoping purple. for purple, Oscar? <laughs> no, I, most everybody that I talk to has either a three-color shade. That was the reason I'm, I'm trying to mention is, like, is there going to be, like, a little shade uh, of certain colors or something? But uh, so, so it's a straight Yes, so uh, we do have an we, – we have an we have an option for an accent color, and that's red. And that's because oh, okay. uh, since we're in Portland, Portland is known mm-hmm. as the city of roses. Right. Uh, and we have a giant rose festival here every year, so uh, red will be our accent color if needed. Okay, cool, awesome. So we're looking at like a like a, a crescent red, or is it going to be a true red, or you know, with, is it like the the shockwave red or something like that, like more of a brick coloring um we haven't picked our shade of red yet but uh probably more of a okay. true red okay perfect so red with the, yeah, with the think, black and white like valentine yeah. valentine's day roses red roses okay okay yeah so the <laughs> logo was designed by somebody locally for you guys on the logo end of it uh in terms of the designer everything the logo was designed by the wnfc for us so they have okay, a, a very talented individual who um, who did that for us, um, and we're we're very pleased with the result. It's beautiful. Um, we love it. Cool. So it's going to be 2020 in uh, Portland, and uh, so your rival obviously is up north, and that's uh, Coach McCarran. Seattle. He's no stranger to yes. Taking you there. He's obviously going to he's going to love the challenge, right? He didn't have to travel to California next year so you uh, can yeah. travel right next door I can a couple imagine. hours so that's going to be nice for him <laughs> but also it'll be nice to kind of reestablish a, a rivalry here in the northwest that has established yeah. or has, was established for a long time uh, Seattle and Portland always duked it out you know every season but then um, you know we've uh, switched leagues and and uh, now, now there's there's a Portland team in the WNFC, so we can reestablish that that friendly friendly rivalry with uh, with the Majestics. Scott actually reached out right away. He was one of the first people to contact me and was really excited to um, to play us next season. All right, Leah, I'm excited. Um, it's kind of like the Surge Rebellion rivalry. We're gonna get the Hawks and Majestics. So that's really nice. Um, so the West Coast in the WNFC year one was very exciting football for everybody, not to take away from the Atlantic, but overall on the West Coast, you know, the, the, the swing there was really exciting. So I'm sure your goal is to continue that so that all the fans in, in 2020 can get to see some really tight competitive matchups. Yes, absolutely. We are, um, we are hoping to jump right in to the WNFC, not, not as, um, you know, kind of an underdog, but a competitor. We really want to be a competitive team and we want to provide um, that to our fans as well, because, um, you know, we, we're not going to be Oregon's team unless we are achieving some level of, of success. So uh, we, we want to be, uh, you know, jump right in at, at the top level as, as soon as possible. All right. Any hashtag you guys are going to use? A lot of teams are using hashtags for year one. <laughs> Come up with any hashtag yet? 
Oh, yeah, we, we have quite a few. Um, the ones that have emerged so far, we haven't let them all out. Um, we are here. We, we want to let everybody know we're here. So we are here. Uh, the birds and soar. And then uh, a, lot of, a lot of people don't know that Oregon's state motto is she flies with her own wings. And we just think that that is super appropriate for for our team, but also Oregon's team. So she flies with her own wings. All right, Leah. I wish you success. Uh, we'll probably chat down in the March in the months of February to through March, kind of see where the roster is for you guys and see where you're standing in terms of an actual, you know, squad that will be going up against that West Coast mix, which is the Rebellion, the Surge, mm-hmm. and obviously the Majestics. Um, and then you also got the big, bad Utah Falcons over in, uh, in Utah. Yes. So that's going to be other pretty bird. exciting. The <laughs> yes. other bird. We're super excited. We're super excited. So um, <laughs> I'm glad that you were uh, pumped and Ravens fly. And we're just excited to have you kind of, you know, lead this team. And we'll see what the results are for 2020. But overall, everybody's totally stoked for 2020 in WNFC. Yes, we are. Can't contain it. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on the show. I appreciate it. All right, Leah, we'll touch base again, uh, and we'll kind of just, you know, like I said, chime in probably in after the new year and see where the Ravens are going to fare against the, uh, the tough West Coast in terms of the Pacific. So thank you for making the time. I really appreciate it, and uh, safe travels home if you're traveling. Otherwise, uh, we'll touch base another time. Great. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, guys, that was uh, Leah Hinkle, and she is the general manager of the Oregon Ravens, the new squad in the WNFC. Looking forward to everything that's happening in 2020. Uh, A lot of moves being done with the WNFC uh, in terms of sponsorships, in terms of deals. They just got their U2 America deal. As I mentioned earlier to Leah, you know, you go from probably 70 million views just just on a social platform, and now you're going to go to 30 million in terms of a big, you know, broadcast platform. So uh, the year two just gets more exciting for the brand, and we look forward to see how that's going to unravel in the uh, summer of 2020. So let's go into the second hour here, and we're going to be talking NFL right now, college football down the mix here. We're going to be with uh, Nate Ward in about a half hour, for, and we're going to talk Legends Football League, Legends Cup in at Shoreworth Center, September 7th. We're also going to talk Women's International kickoff. We got stuff coming up in Czech Republic. We got stuff coming up in Austria as the new season kicks in. We still have an existing season in Brazil. We have the whole gridiron Australia season in New South Wales and in Queensland. So everything happening plus the NFL and college football season. This is the podcast to be. We talk at all men's football, pro level, and we talk women's great iron every Tuesday. So check us out on our Apple podcast link. Check us out on our blog talk radio, or you can go to iHeart at great iron beauties, go to Google, Google us, great iron beauties, and check out all our stuff there in terms of social sites and podcasts. So the best podcast on the planet, you're listening to it right here on iHeart and blog talk radio and as well as apple podcast so let's bring in the salty one and that would be mackenzie brooks in the house what's going on mackenzie Mackenzie, are you on 
Uh, let me see here. Is, is this Nate? Nate, are you on? No, she's not on. Okay, let's find out where she's at. Apparently, let me see if she's on. Mackenzie, are you on? I'm here. Oh, you are. Okay, I can barely hear you. I'm sorry. I tried. I, I thought maybe I could see you off. Yeah. What's going no, on, Mackenzie? Well, I'm here. How are we doing? You know, I'm, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm ready to talk some. Great. I'm looking to, you know, talk some football, get some roundtable discussion going here. All right. So, Mackenzie, I want to just tell you right now, because of you, I was put in Facebook jail, and somebody turned me in for spamming. That's not cool. So, I don't know if I want to hang out with you I'm anymore. I'm sorry. You know, you're going to have to hang out with me either way. Um, I can't control what Facebook does. I've been in Facebook jail um, many times than I like to count. And, you know, it kind of makes me a legend. I'm not going to lie. Mackenzie, I don't know if it's by association now, but uh, it, it really hurt because I couldn't type or do anything. It really hurt. And I don't even have an alien. You know, and it's, it's very uh, frustrating, especially if it's for something that, you don't like you, you know, they, Facebook itself will flag, will flag stuff that you post or flag stuff that you try to promote, which is interesting because I always, you know, promote the podcast yet. I don't, I've not gotten spammed for it or flagged for it yet, which is strange. Anyways, uh, I can say, uh, per uh, publicly, I can say Zuckerberg, you know, where the, where my hand's going to go at this point. But anyways, we're, we're back to normal. <laughs> I did my uh, appeal, and apparently my appeal has been granted as positive. I have no idea why you would do that to me after what uh, doing the same concept for what almost six years, and they kind of figured out my yeah, patterns the same. I'm like, patterns. So what is wrong with you people? Anyways, I think somebody turned me in. So whoever turned me in, thanks a lot. I really appreciate doing all the extra work to get back on. Really, thank you guys. <laughs> uh, are you a little salty, Oscar? I am a bit salty right now. That's why I say you're rubbing off on me. <laughs> Bullshit is the word. Yes. I love it. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm getting rubbed here. I'm getting rubbed big time. Uh, I can tell you uh, right off the bat when that happened, I went, what the hell is the word I said? What the hell? But that's okay because I know the process, and I will go ahead and appeal it. And normally uh, my appeals have been 99% approved after, so I'm not going to worry about it. Absolutely. Anyways, but it did hurt me, so that's why I'm still talking about it. <laughs> so uh, hanging out with you is trouble, but that's okay. We love you, so that's what we're that's what we're here for. Um, Ezekiel Elliott, Mackenzie, I guess he's back, or Jerry Jones changed his mind, or I don't know. So from what I've seen and read, um, it looks like they're working on a a contract that would put him right around the $90 million range. Um, not sure what the guaranteed would be. And I'm not sure. I think I saw it was four years. Yeah. I think it was a four. I think what I read was a possible four year deal for 90 million. Um, and I think there, I think he's just waiting to see, you know, cause it's that, it's that guaranteed money that people look for. So right now, from what I've seen and uh, read in articles today, Zeke was on the plane going back to Dallas camp um, or headquarters, I should say, um, getting ready for his first week. So as far as I know, 
the Dallas Cowboys, or my Dallas Cowboys, I should say, um, will have Ezekiel Elliott first week. I don't think you have any worries, right, Mackenzie? Because you have Gallup, you have Prescott, you got Cooper. I don't even think if even if he didn't show up in week one or two, I don't think it's going to hinder your offensive output. Yeah, honestly, I personally, there's a lot of misled Cowboys fans out there. Like 90% of my Dallas Cowboys fan base is either A, misled or over irrational or over just, they just, I just, I, I can't explain them. But I'm personally not worried because, I mean, like you said, we have all, we have other moving parts. We have Gallup. We, now we're going to have Amari Cooper for an entire season. Um, Jason Winton's back. You know, Dak Prescott's gotten gotten better since being able to have that offseason in training camps and preseasons with Winton again and uh, having being able to have Amari Cooper for an entire season. So I'm personally not worried about it. My defense is also A1. So, I again, I'm not really worried about it. Zeke is literally just what sets our offense off. Like, we have all the moving parts, but Zeke is the one who – makes the Dallas Cowboys offense the well-oiled machine. And that's yeah, not I think, to take uh, away credit or anything from anybody. No, and I think they're solid on offense. Defensively, I think they'll be respectable from what I see from the roster. So uh, I think as, uh, Elliott coming back is just kind of like a bonus in a way. It's kind of like a suspension for two games, and then all of a sudden here you get your running back back. It's really kind of like the way people mm-hmm. are really treating it at this point. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what it is. I don't think, I mean, if you ask any, uh, you know, probably any logically thinking Cowboys fan or football fanatic or guru, they would probably state the same thing. Um, kind of just treating it as a, you know, suspension of some kind or, um, you know, some kind of disciplinary act, which is which is not. That's not what this is. This is just them fig- figuring out contract negotiations. Um, rank number one before the season kicks off here is, is the Patriots. I think that's a, a, a given, right? But, you know, people thinking Buffalo's going to win the AFC East. I don't know if they're drinking something. Uh, can't go with Buffalo. Um, I would put them probably a wild card. Not They're not winning the entire thing, absolutely not. But they'll, I think they may snag a wild card spot. Um yeah, I don't. Would really you give it to Miami to win the East, or even the Jets? I mean, it just doesn't seem even. You know, everybody thinking that this Buffalo team's going to be different, but at this point, this whole division has never been really that good to even stand out. You know, those three teams to stand out at anything. I mean, the the the, the Patriots would have to collapse completely with the coaching staff change or some sort of quarterback change or both before us even imagine one of the other three, uh, three teams winning the division. Yeah. You know, I, like you said, the division itself has never been chock full of, I'm not going to say talent because that's incorrect. It's just like, there's, there's clear separation between the types of talent that are on those teams. Like we will get, you know, the Steelers and Patriots, those are, pretty much the two that run, you know, that run that side of the NFL. And then you look at, now you look at, you know, Buffalo's got all this new talent and Miami's got all this new talent and you do have to take them into consideration because of what they've added as far as moving parts, you know, linemen, receivers, new quarterbacks, things like that. But you still always have to keep in the front of your mind that 
the Patriots are the world champions. You know, for some of us, that's unfortunate because we may or may not get sick of hearing about them. And But it really, in hindsight, they are the top tier of the NFL. That is the New England Patriots. And everybody's going to be following suit to try to knock them out or even get close to them at this point. All right. I'm going to talk about my Rams. I'm a big Ram fan. My optimism is obviously we're going to kick ass and take names. But reality is, offensively, there's a situation where we get we get the quarterback back signed, but you got uh, question marks with Cup, Cooper Cup. You got question marks with uh, the knee with Gurley. I mean, where do you see uh, my team at this point in your view? To be honest, I see them right along the same path as they were last year. I mean, if if Gurley can get, you know, can get that knee better, and you guys can get Cooper Cup signed to a decent contract that's, you know, that's going to fit what he's, you know, what he's brought to the table and how he's performed the past couple of seasons. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to watch, especially because you have, you have those other teams down there near you uh, who are also kind of fighting for the same, the same position in a way, as far as uh, namesake recognition, you know, just being able to produce the kind of numbers talent-wise that the Rams have. Um, and Gar- I mean, Todd Gurley is one of the the best running backs in the NFL. So if he can get, you know, like I said, if he can get his stuff together, everything else I feel like will follow suit. All right. Um, New Orleans, obviously a disappointing ending for them with the bad call, but they do get uh, Breeze, Thomas, and Kamara back. So they're, they're somewhat a, still a threat and a big threat in the NFC. Absolutely. You can never, to be honest, you can never count out the New Orleans Saints ever. Like, I, no. Um, especially with Drew Brees, you know, surpassing Peyton Manning's all-time passing record last season. Not, I mean, and I mean, I'm like, what, like, who would be, who would be dumb enough to, to count them out is, I guess, what I'm trying to say. Um, you know, Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas together and alone literally elevate the offense, whether they're both at the same time or not, even though they play two different positions. It's, one could be electric on one side and one could be electric, you know, running, running the ground. So it's, it's really, like I said, they're a pretty well oiled machine themselves. It's just getting over those humps to get back to a Super Bowl. Mackenzie, surprised that uh, LaShawn uh, McCoy is in Kansas City because they have so many weapons in an, and during the preseason – you still had, you know, the draftees like uh, McCole Hardman and Damian Williams really impressive during the preseason. Then you add, you know, Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey to the mix, and now you got McCoy. Um, Kansas City could be a AFC threat at this point for, like, the Patriots if you want to, you know, start to analyze it that way right now. No, the, the Kansas City Chiefs are the threat to the New England Patriots. I don't care who you are. You can try to argue that with me all you want. Um, adding LaShawn McCoy just just enhances it more. Like, literally, I mean, they were already a threat. And now the fact that they're adding LaShawn McCoy to the roster at that is – the Patriots better watch out. Patrick Mahomes now and, and be, those boys down The question is going to be how Andy, how Andy Reid uh, basically utilizes McCoy. That will be the real question. How do we, you know, utilize him in the in that offensive th- threat that you already have? 
see, I don't, I don't know. Honestly, I mean, if I'm, if I'm going to utilize him, because he's, he's very strong, very powerful, he would make a very, very, very good tailback, um, even, even at a power back, I should say. Um, it would take, it would take a lot to get him down. He will get you yards, and he's also very good at catching out of the backfield. That's why he, and he's so versatile, which is why I'm so surprised that he ended up in Kansas City where they're already an offensive juggernaut. No, and that's my point. It's like, how do you utilize that big of a talent? So we'll see how Andy Reid really focuses on there. Um, Philadelphia is either going to be very good at the beginning or we're going to have the same issues that we had before with quarterback issues with, you know, uh, there's some issues with defense where they let go basically the departures of uh, Michael Bennett and Chris Long. So this is a team that is either going to start off really good or we're going to start to see some real dents and some bad results. Um, I mean, the best the best quality you can have is availability, you know, and unfortunately for Carson Wentz the past couple seasons, he has not quite been available. And the other downfall to that is, you know, let's um, let's say something happened and Carson Wentz ends up not being able to play due to injury or whatever. Um, they don't have Nick Foles anymore. I mean, they don't they don't have, you know, essentially their backup QB one to you know help you know help kind of move everything back along after losing you know after losing the original QB one so it's it's um it's gonna be interesting to see although I am I am thinking that Zach Earth is gonna be targeted a lot more. A lot more yeah, than I think people think a lot I think more offense will have to we'll have to rotate around I, I agree with you on that. I think that's gonna be the key. But defensively they've weakened like I said, two two big players and Long and Bennett that can affect them. Um, I'm not too you know too great, but do you think Chicago needs to start calling maybe Carly Lloyd to kick because this guy named Eddie is just not cutting it? Well, see, and I'm glad you brought that up because you and I both know that you know soccer players. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. Male, soccer players literally makes the best kickers for a football team. And I don't know how many times I've literally seen some guy on Facebook, some average Joe or whatever, talk about how she needs to get her steps down and then she'll and then somebody can sign her. Yet the same exact things happen in college football. College football kickers take just about the same amount of steps Carly Lloyd did to make her kick as they would to make theirs. But I don't see them stating that they need to adjust their steps. So why say it about her? I mean, I I think you know what I'm kind of getting at, but in the same aspect, it's not quite that deep. Mackenzie, Mackenzie, she's a soccer player, and we just don't allow that in American football. Okay, she can't be that good. You know what I mean? I mean, she really is that good, though. The video says itself. You know what I'm saying? I know. (laughs) And you saw... If you go to the hub, we have more than what five to six young ladies that have kicked, you know, in high school and college, right? Becca Longo, right? Absolutely. Christine Moore, oh, right? Yeah. There's a lot of young ladies out there, yeah, right? Savannah, Savannah Melton, out there in you know Arkansas. Oh, she's my favorite. She's my favorite. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> I mean, there's, 
there's options. And then you say, you're telling me that one of the highest profile, you know, USC, USA team members, you're telling me that she's not going to be able to yank 30 yard field goal. That's just absurd. Yeah. In, in the video, she, I'm pretty sure she yanked 55. No, I know it was 55. I'm if just saying the said, average, yeah. the average, what the average uh, point after is, is 35 yards. So you're telling me she's not going to be able to nail 35 yeah. yards. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm absurd. saying. She's, yeah, and she's crushing it. So the fact that people are trying to be nitpicky for, like I said, for what may or may not seem to be obvious reasons uh, is beyond me. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, probably be rude at this point, but we'll do, we'll use something that somebody direct messaged me. Hashtag vagina for the win. There it is. So she's uh, good. Uh, Fifty-five yards. She's good uh. to go. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's like ridiculous to think that she's not able to do 55 yards or more when the average punt or extra point is 30 yards. That's what I'm saying. So a lot of idiots on social media. That's all I'm saying. Just because she hasn't played a, a one NFL game, right? That doesn't mean she can't throw. Exactly. She can't kick 30 yards. Okay, uh, Chicago Bears. My whole point to this, you know, conversation is get on the phone. <laughs> Sign her, yeah, because, yeah. Because Eddie yeah. Pinero is not going to uh, get you much uh, success, especially if he's yanking a thirty-yard, <laughs> thirty-yard kick. It's not going to be good. Yeah, he's not going to do it. He's not going to cut it for you. You should probably yeah. just pick up the phone, call her agent, and say, "Hey, we have a contract. Let's get her in some passing helmet and get her in some games, like quite yeah, and, literally." And, and that's why I'm saying. I mean, Carly is one of the most accurate kickers, you know, to, to, to kick a soccer ball takes skill. So to kick a football, once you learn how to do it, obviously that's second nature to her. You know what I mean? Cause that's the, the process. Absolutely. You can learn that, right? You can learn the, how to do that. But what I'm saying is Absolutely. it's absurd to you think that this can't girl can't accuracy. do 30 yard extra point. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Accuracy is, is learned through practice. And the fact right. that she's played soccer probably 90% of her life, if not her entire life, right. and is now part of a, a women's U.S. national team who is a, a three-time back-to-back champion, kind of says something. I mean, if I'm an NFL owner, I'm looking past all the societal things, and I'm signing her a contract, period. If you want to win, Mackenzie, that's the word. The Bears, if you want to win. Matt Nagy, you call Carly Lloyd. Literally. Cha-ching for extra points. There's your girl right there. So uh, hashtag Carly Lloyd. Extra points all For day. the win. Carly Lloyd for the win. There you go. So Bear fans, yeah. I would uh, probably put the position out there to get that kicker on your team. Just get her done. Even if she's part-time, it doesn't matter. Every other Thursday would still work. Agreed. All right. Um. Mackenzie, let's uh, end it here because we're going to be talking pretty much with uh, Nate Ward in a little bit here. But um, Seattle Seahawks, they signed, uh, obviously, uh, Clowney, and then they signed their quarterback as well over the offseason. So Russell Wilson, Clowney. So I think they're going to be okay. Uh, I just don't like it because they're in my division, but I really think they uh, they did upgrade. <laughs> Definitely upgrade with, with Jadavion Clowney. I was actually surprised um, to see that Seattle picked him up. 
to be honest. I was kind of thinking maybe like even like a Dallas would look into picking him up, but obviously you're gonna the team that that needs him most is gonna is what's gonna probably you know be able to offer him most money. So and obviously that was that was the Seahawks. So I mean there you go. You shoot fits where it. Yeah, I, I think they just they they're they're going to be the team to beat in the NFC West. Um, depends on the question marks in, on offense in Los Angeles. Question marks on offense in the Niners. We have no idea what Arizona is looking like right now. So uh, at this point, they would be the front runners. Yeah, I will say with Arizona though, um, and the um, Cliff Kingsbury RPO package that he has, and obviously with uh, young Kyler Murray running at the front the front of the helms with this um, because that's the system that he that he came out of is going to be very interesting especially um, looking at you know some of the interviews and articles that I've seen from uh, ones like Larry Fitzgerald and um, other players on the Arizona Cardinals they're extremely stoked about what Cliff Kingsbury is doing and how quickly Kyler Murray has adjusted which is kind of why I'm not I'm not even worried about how Arizona starts out. Everybody that I've talked to has stated that this RPO system is not going to work because it's NFL. NFL doesn't run RPO. And that, that's the point. NFL does not run RPO. So it's going to be very hard to defend. And if so you you're have expecting... a quarterback such as Kyler Murray, it's going to be hard so to defend. So you're expecting period. Arizona to surprise everybody. Is that your, your whole point? Yes. Absolutely. All right. Um, who are we taking, uh, Mackenzie? Are we taking the Packers or the Bears on Thursday night? I I will never willingly root for a Packer or anything, so it's going to have to be Chicago. Chicago for the win, and if they call Carly, it'll be a, a secure win. So maybe they'll do both. Fact. Yes. All right. Um, so let's let's go into uh, the Legends – Cup that's going to happen here this weekend, September 7th at Shower Center. We'll bring in our LFL insider, Nate Ward, in the house. Hi, Nate. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, Oscar. How are you? Hi, Nate. Uh, you're on with me today, and you're also on with the salty one, Mackenzie Brooks, who also plays uh, women's football in Iowa. So that's our co-host. So welcome aboard. Awesome. All right, uh, Mackenzie, uh, this, Nate is the most knowledgeable LFL fanatic and historian that I could ever get on the show because he's very knowledgeable. He's followed the league since 2008, so he knows pretty much everybody. Pretty much, I mean, he's, he understands the leagues, and he's covered it since the brand and rebranding, but he understands all of the stuff. So anything you want to throw at him, he's pretty much in, inclined to answer. So, um, Nate, this is uh, – I don't know what happened there, but – we, no, but none of us had the feeling that the Atlanta team was going to overcome and beat Seattle, and the result was the same. Yeah, I'm actually as as we're talking, I am rewatching that game for the second time. I'm halfway through the second quarter, and um, anybody that predicted the Atlanta team, I'm still baffled by that because I, I don't know what they were doing out there. Uh, you know, we just saw the ball carrier. I just saw the ball carrier fall around. You bring, and around. you bring in 
Kandria Robinson from the acoustic to supplement the injury on running on the, on the running back side of things. That was okay. You had speed. You got a little bit of, but the connection with the receivers was so way off. Dakota was pressured so heavily. Um, what can you say about uh, Kendra Williams? I mean, she just balled out. MVP of the whole game. She was everywhere. Oh, she carried the team. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I think, you know, I think you're talking difference between a team that's played. And and this is this is where that, you know, we kind of we kind of touched on it a little bit um, the last time we spoke. But it's kind of what you run with adding players at the end of the regular season is you've got fresh legs, fresh arms, fresh energy combining with players that have been there the whole season are probably, you know, running out a little bit of little bit of air and she um you know she she carried them i'm gonna give her credit for getting them as as close as she did but you know one player does not a team make in this sense no what i'm saying is the exceptional play batted balls uh pass rushes she was running on offense i mean she literally was the atlanta uh, atlanta team threat for the whole night it was just literally on defense they kept throwing her the girl, and she kept every time just denying them every time, even against Ziggler. That was very impressive. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's what I'm saying is she was the team. She was carrying them. But at, at the end of the day, especially in a playoff scenario, you cannot rely on just one player alone. I mean, she came out there ready to win and ready to, to, to lead the charge, and it – I mean, I don't know what you saw, but I almost felt like, you know, she she was all there, and she, everybody else just was like, you know, well, we've got her. What more do we need to do? And it did not look good. Well, between her and Jade, uh, that was all you needed, really. And then the accuracy of uh, Matheny and really just making the short throws. And really, once they got into the red zone, everything was pretty much, you know, cha-ching. You add the bull to everything. Um, so it's mm-hmm. really, you know, really tough. I don't understand how Dane Robinson could not use our no joke football baller, Michelle Marshall more. I mean, he waited till literally the third quarter to throw the ball to Marshall. Marshall's such a intricate, you know, 10 yard baller with good hands. I don't understand how they could not do that. Considering they were focusing on Ziegler back, you would think that would be the exceptional weapon to throw to. And they did not. They, they stuck to the run, uh, the run game and they got shut down. Yeah, there's – I mean, you look back over, what, the the last how many times they've came close, it's always come down to, you know, what you know what could Dane Robinson have done? What could have been done differently? And, and the fact is, is it almost seems like he kind of, you know, what do we say, sticks sticks to his laurels and sticks to, to what he's got there. He's you – know, I mean, there's, there's a little sense of inventiveness – but he doesn't use the the caliber players when he's got them. Like, you know, you mentioned one of your own. I mean, you've got the talent there. Use them, get creative, or you're going to fall flat. And we've, I mean, it's not to say they haven't put up a good fight and they've had close games, but at the end of the day, it's the lack of creativity and the basic playbook and going to the familiar faces that has, you know, killed, killed not – you know, just Atlanta as a whole, but also Dane Robinson as a head coach and kind of ruins his credibility. 
Yeah. Um, Mackenzie, did you watch any of the, uh, the game Atlanta against Seattle? I got to see some of the second half in everything that you guys have stated as far as why, why weren't they able to, you, you know, utilize our player. And I'm, I was just kind of baffled. Like, She's because it's a short and field, versatile. It's yeah. just, uh, I don't know why she would. Do, I, don't, I don't know why he would not do that. You would think, you know, it's a short field, ten yards. You're getting you're getting stopped on defense. I mean, in and out passes would have been nice. She's a talent. She's always been really good on the edges. I, I just I don't understand. I think Atlanta really kind of did themselves in in terms of trying to say you already knew it was an obstacle against Seattle because it's kind of like an all star team. I just don't get it. Yeah, I just I was I was literally as I was watching the like the back half of that game, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, even in a full kit game, you would utilize your most talented player. I don't understand. I was to be honest, I was kind of mad. I was just like like it may, and it maybe maybe and I was like maybe she's hurt maybe something happened you know I was trying to sit here and put together all this stuff and like maybe they're just not really trying to use her or who knows maybe they're trying they were trying to save her for something but you probably should have just utilized her while you had the chance it would have made your lives a lot easier. Mackenzie, the the player that I think we just talked about with Nay here is you know uh, Kara Kara Williams. What a beast out there on defense, knocking down the balls, pressuring in, their, in everybody's face. On offense, she was running on 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 the sweeps, uh, scoring. I mean, just and they kept throwing to her, and I'm like thinking to myself, why are you throwing to this this talented athlete? Throw to somebody else, and it seemed like Dakota Hughes either her misreads because she couldn't find, and there was plenty of people open. And she had like two open spots, but she kept going still to that one side, and that you know Williams just kept. Denying it, denying it, and denying it. Well, and that's what I was. That's what I was. I was kind of struggling with at first too, as, as far as the other side of the ball, is because she had she had so many misreads. It, it in a sense, the entire the entire defense was reading her every single move. Every time she would move exactly. her eyes or move her head, she was she was literally being read like a book. And I'm like, you should probably start to look to the other side of the field every once in a while. Even if you don't actually throw over there, look to the other side of the field, even look down the middle, maybe even look for a little bit of a, you know, QB keeper type thing, or even a dink and dump. Like you have so many options. Why keep throwing to one side, especially when you're getting picked off left and right and getting balls batted down. It just, it, and, and, the, and the fact that she was getting batted down by the same two or three people in the same like in the same sequence was what was irritating me the most. Well, the red zone failure was really that it was just a misread. She had weapons. She had, she had Marshall. She had Ziegler. I mean, she had weapons, you know, and the playbook was trying to like get the home run versus trying to just get 10 yards at a time and just get to the end zone. I think that was their detriment. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was just, you know, like I said, you have so many weapons. Why not use utilize all of them or a few of them instead of just one, maybe two, or a couple get some looks but don't actually get, you know, don't actually get the targets. Mackenzie, um, be surprised. Seattle. Go ahead. Seattle was really just 
I think, licking their chops. You could hear their coach uh, just saying, hey, we got this. This is They're nothing. You know what I mean? That was literally his attitude. And as you, as the score got to stretch even further, their confidence just filled up, and they already knew that they, the other side was defeated. Yeah, and like I said, you know, once once the defense started picking up on the fact that she was doing the same thing over and over again, it was it was over with. I mean, there was really yeah. nothing you could they could have done at that point unless they would have changed up the scheme of things at that point. All right. Um, you know, in-game Nate, adjustments are a thing. Yeah, exactly. And that's why that's our point is Atlanta didn't really you know, adjust very well. So, Nate, uh, we get Los Angeles, Austin, the rematch of Salerno against Michelle Angel coming up this weekend on the uh, LFL YouTube channel. Uh, we already know the outcome of this game, of course. Los Angeles goes to the Legends Cup. We're going to get to see it live this weekend in terms of what the outcome was with Mariah Lopez uh, and uh, da- Daniel Harvey and company, as well as uh, Michelle, uh, Michelle Angel. But it was a really close game, very competitive. Um, so this is going to be the game to watch because it was really close till the end and in, in, in a very heated type of last-minute quarter. So uh, pretty interesting, uh, you know, Saturday to watch. Oh, I can't wait. Um, you know, this will be the, you know, you know ne- next to the, the Legends Cup and see I'm in L.A. going at it, the, the L.A. Austin game will be the – prime game of the the season in fact it's 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 funny we're, we're, we're segueing into that because i just got done watching the i don't know if either of you saw it there's a a wow clip with uh head referee uh jeremy hewitt mm-hmm. and uh it sounded like um the game itself as heated as it was he was losing his patience a little bit with some of the lfl personnel so we'll we'll see we'll see exactly what led to that. It was a brief 13-second clip, but we'll have to see what, what led to that and what, um, you know, the the score indicated it was very close, so we'll have to see how much intensity there really was in this game, and I'm ready for a, I'm ready for a fight. So your prediction could come through, right? If L.A. does win this Saturday and takes the cup, uh, November 16th in Mexico will be the rematch. Third time it would be Salerno against Michelle Angel. So they're one and one at this point. Uh, and in Mexico, it could be where, like you said, they're carrying the cup to the uh, Central uh, Mexico Arena. Oh, it, it goes from being an exhibition game to, like you said, uh, it's it's one and one right now. It goes from being just a a, um, a showcase to being a, a rubber match, and I would expect both teams to to put on an absolute thriller um, for. For the fans, to give them a peek at uh, what's what's to come in the future. All right, Mackenzie, uh, Los Angeles against Austin, two top quarterbacks we just talked about here. Uh, defensively, Austin was really good. Uh, L.A. had three weeks to prepare for this, and it came down to uh, almost three points, so we'll watch it on Saturday. But overall, two evenly matched teams here this weekend, and one of them is going up against Seattle, which is Los Angeles, because uh, the verdict already is in, L.A. win. So this weekend in Seattle, it is Legends Cup, Los Angeles against Seattle. Uh, I really think at this point, Salerno has to step up their game. L.A. has to step up their game. Uh, Seattle, if they play as they played against um, Atlanta, I think uh, they will win. But they don't want to lose at home, of course, because that's where they're playing at. So 
I think everybody's picking Seattle for the most part. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, and it's, it's, to be honest, it's hard to go against them because of the season that they've, they've had this year and even parts of last year kind of seemed up and down a little bit. But now this season, it, it seems like they've got everything pretty well put together. Now it's just bringing it full circle for the cops. Um, you know, in some kind of like kind of like those teams that have you know those two or three week breaks before before the before playoff games or before cup series, it, it that can you know that can affect you. But they you know Seattle's been rolling for a little bit, um, you know healing up, guard, you know getting you know, getting healed up, going you know constantly going over the playbook, all that stuff. Um, I really think that I just really think Seattle's going to edge. It, they're going to edge it the entire time. So I'm I'm gonna have to go with Seattle as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Mackenzie, our boy here, Nate Ward, in the stands Saturday. You can follow him at the uh, Instagram handle. Nate, what's the Instagram handle? we got to follow you this, this Saturday. Uh, Nate. Oh, gosh, it's your mouth on my head. Nate Dog, D A W G 007. There you go. Nate Dog 007. So um, we're going to be following him. He's going to be in the stands, Mackenzie, at the Shower Center. So he'll get to give us the first real uh, results in terms of what happens between Los Angeles against Seattle in the Legends Cup. So, Nate, um, you said you wanted L.A. to win, but I'm pretty sure you're a homer. You you prefer Seattle to win. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's a tough decision. I mean, you're talking about two legendary teams that have a history if with If you want to get out of the Shower Center alive, I think you have to say Seattle. Oh, I don't have a choice. <laughs> I, I, I have a whole group of friends. I have a whole group of friends with me that would probably take my car if I went against Seattle. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, if you want to get out of there alive, that's all I'm saying. Uh, I have to go with uh, I have to go with the proven winner. Um, I I can't back down on this on Stevie Schnorr. I think she's going to be a big difference maker. Randall's just so explosive, and given the performance of Williams this, against Atlanta, I think. They're just tough to beat, and L.A. will have to play their best ball in order for them to come uh, up on top. Yeah, absolutely. They'll have to they'll have to play absolutely uh, a flawless game. There can be there can be no errors. Uh, you know, we we know the Seattle Miss team. We know most of the the players they have on there. Is you know, you make a mistake and you will pay for it instantly. Perfect. All right. So Nate, we'll touch base next week. And we'll see what the outcome is for Saturday. You're going to be there, and we're expecting, obviously, the results. Seattle versus Los Angeles, Legends Cup 2019 at the Shore Center. So we'll touch base on Tuesday. Appreciate you coming in. Always a pleasure, Oscar. Thank you. All right, Mackenzie, there you go. Nate's going to Seattle at this point. And uh, so I'm going to Seattle. Everybody's going to Seattle pretty much. Yeah, I think it's a mutual consensus. Uh, we're all going to go with Seattle this weekend. Yeah, it's pretty pretty uh, honest there. I, I think it's hard to beat. We, I don't think we're going to be shocked if L.A. overcomes, but they're going to have to play their best game of the year uh, against a very talented team. And this team is playing at home for the Cup, and I don't think they want to lose at home. So I think energy will be there for them. Um, we have international news as well. So before we get out of here, we have Brazil uh, action. 
You can go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. Check it out there. Gridiron Queensland action. Gridiron New South Wales results at the hub at facebook.com. Uh, we have a lot of NFL, college football as the podcast rolls along this month and up to the uh, January through the Super Bowl. On top of at college and NFL, we will be talking women's gridiron football as well in uh, Australia. The kickoff in Austria this weekend, September 7th, we will have everything covered for you. Just go to the hub at facebook.com. The Czech uh, Women's League will also kick off in about a week or so here. We'll be covering you all over. So, uh, Mackenzie, I tell everybody, if you don't know what's going on, you go to the hub, right? You always go to the hub, period. If, even if you do know what's going on, that's where you get all your information. That's where you get all your salt. That's just that's where you go is the hub for all your things football-related, NFL, college, Queensland, international, American full kit, the whole nine. That's where you go, the hub on Facebook. Gridiron it's just uh, the trash. best. The best network on the planet, Mackenzie, and I can't stress it enough. We are the best network on the planet. We have passionate network people that love to cover women's American football news and notes, and we are very proud of that. Big network, and so thanks everybody that contributes. Yes, we thank you for contributing to the hub. That's what we're here for. We are here for you, and you guys are here for the hub. That's what we provide it for. So thank you, contributors. That's what we do. This is something we love to enjoy, and we enjoy to love it. So, All right, uh, Mackenzie, if you didn't know it, back-to-back-to-back champions in Finland, the uh, Helsinki Wolverines defeated the St. Petersburg Valkyries, and our our girl out there, uh, Titi Kosinen, five TDs, 377 yards. Second time she's done that. She did it last year in the finals, and this year again, what a beast. See, and I told you at the beginning of the year when when uh, the international game started that they were going to do a three-peat, and nobody believed me. Nobody believed me because of Helsinki. And I said that it's going to happen. So I was right, and I just want to throw that out there right now. Also, I was very blown away. Over 300 yards passing. Wow. And you get the highlights at the hub. You can get it all the highlights from the Maple League finish, the final 2019. Uh, congratulations to the Helsinki Wolverines for winning back-to-back-to-back championships 2016-17, I mean 2017-18 and 2019. So congratulations. And then on top of that, she was the MVP at the Women's Euro Championship as well. So hats off to uh, Kusinen. Uh, what a beast. Yeah, I just love being right. I mean, I can't. I can't. I can't not love it. But the, the entire the entire bracket itself was just loaded, and the fact that she, that that she was able to unload another another game series like that with over 300 yards passing, also to different different positions on the field is really what got to me because some of those defenses are very very fast and very very powerful and very very sound so and I know I know that team had to have gone through so many just ups and downs during those games I just I'm mind blown frankly I mean I was mind blown last time I think I'm even more mind blown now that you know Helsinki was able to 
produce the same exact result three times in a row. I'm just, I'm elated. Yeah, the best team in Europe is probably that team right there right now. And they've proven it at the Euro Championships with their national team. Uh, we're going to be covering Czech Republic, Austria, of course. We're going to be covering everything in Gridiron Australia. We're also going to be covering the final of the Ladies Bowl 28th. And that's going to happen on September 21st. Uh, the news that came out is November 10th. It is uh, at the Titans-Kansas City game. November 10th, four WFA teams will be competing there. Music City Misfits, then uh, Derby Dynamite, the uh, Columbus Vanguard, and the Knoxville Lightning will play after the event on November 10th of the Titans-Kansas City game. So great job there for the WFA to spotlight for their teams there in Central USA. And then we're looking forward to November 16th, of course, after the Legends Cup. It is in Mexico, L.A. versus Austin and Honduras and Transatlantic Tournament to come after in March and over in September. So uh, thanks for Leah Hinkle for coming in, uh, Holly Custis as well, and for the uh, salty one, Mackenzie, to make it back. Everybody's missing you. And then uh, obviously for our LFO insider, Nate Ward. So uh, Oscar Lopez saying we'll be here next week for 290 in the book, and we're going to be talking more NFL, more college football, and everything women's international news and notes. Don't forget to go to the hub at facebook.com for Sasquatch Beauty. And check out our FanDuel uh, special for the NFL Week 1. If you're on FanDuel, $15 on us. Click the FanDuel link, register and deposit. You get $15 on us to play NFL Week 1. Uh, you can play $0.05, cent, $0.25, a dollar or more, however you want to play it. Uh, take advantage and see how good you can do on Week 1 and make some money. Go to FanDuel on our tab at the facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties and check it out. Go to the uh, Zazzle shop, 15% off. And check out our No Joke Football brand at facebook.com forward slash No Joke Football. Check out Michelle Marshall, Anna Garza, Kristen Moran, Lauren Evans, Aurora Turlock. Uh, we just brought on Stacy Jackman last week and announcing this week will be Lexi Demio of the uh, Trojans coming on board as well. And a big surprise coming up this weekend. So stay tuned to the No Joke Football brand Facebook page. So Let's uh, head out of here, McKenzie. We're looking forward to another week of wild college football. Working forward to week one NFL, so it's going to be sure, pretty pretty awesome. I am thrilled. I'm also thrilled that I'm back finally. I have a life again, so I'm ready to do this the rest of the year. Going into 2020, it's going to be loaded, so y'all better stay tuned and get ready. Go to the hub for all your information. Follow us on Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter. All the social media sites, I have almost all of them. Um, I can't really remember most of my handles at this point in life, but you can find all of us, our Facebook pages, on the hub itself because we're always there. All right, Mackenzie, uh, as they say in Dallas, go Cowboys, and we're off.